everybody. Um, it's, it's always a very, um, um, how can I say, a nervous time when I have to come and speak because I always doubt myself as to what is it that I should um, share, you know, is it, is it my head, is it my ego, is it God speaking to me, would people think I'm a, I'm a fool for, for saying what I'm going to say. So I really, I really want to share with you guys what, what I feel God is, is sort of done in me in perhaps the last few years, maybe the last two years, or even maybe the last, specifically the last six months. And that, and that is that God has made it so clear to me that um, a lot of the things we read in the Bible, more, more beyond the, the spiritual side of things, um, or at least how I understood it, um, it's, it's very practical. So my challenge today for you guys is a practical challenge. And when I mean a practical challenge, I don't mean to say I want you to do certain things at a certain time in the day or, you know, do something. But, but, to, but to begin to maybe change the way you see um, a Bible story um, in terms of how it, it can be applied to your life. Um, I, I feel so much freedom now when I read the Bible and, and I begin to understand that these sometimes very historic events... Uh, whereas in the past I used to look at them, I used to read the stories of Jericho, I used to read the stories of, I don't know, David and Goliath, and just sort of hide away from reality into this sort of fairy tale world where, you know, miracles happen, and then just sort of be, be a bit encouraged and feel, well, you know, the world's not so bad. But, but these stories were real stories and were actually actual practical things that happen, you know? I mean, David did throw the stone at Goliath, and, and the walls of Jericho did actually tumble, tumble down. So I began to be so aware of the fact that the Bible has so much practical advice for our lives. And that's what I'd like to share with you today. And I'd like to put it into three different parts, which is um, repentance. Does it, is it equal just simply to be sorry? Then I'm going to talk about the vegan challenge. And... Um, why is the road narrow? Um, now, the way, the way I see this is the way perhaps I mostly misunderstood um, some, some basic Christ Christian con concepts or perhaps the way I was brought up to understand Christianity. Another thing is that, as you all know probably, I worked in the food industry for about 15 years and, and food is something that I can relate to. Um, <laughs> as most of you can. And another one is, there are many times expressions in the Bible like, narrow is the road. That means what, really? I mean, yeah, everyone can understand what narrow, narrow is the road, but what does it actually really mean? So if you're thinking, oh dear, what is he going to talk about? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to say anything uh, totally crazy or outlandish. So I'm going to start with um, asking Simon if you could read a couple of um, paragraphs of the Bible. The reason why I, I want Simon to read it is because he's got such a quintessential um, English accent. Um, so if you could read, please, Haggai 1 from verse 2 to 15. This is the NIV version. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. 
Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, and bring down timber, and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Amen. Thank you, Simon. So, um, Haggai has a call to build the house of the Lord. And, and this is a very interesting um, story. Before I'll read this story and I'll be like, okay, well, you know, how this applies to me. And it's very interesting because the people of um, the time of Haggai were, were called the remnant. This, this is the people that passed the um, exile in Babylon and were allowed to go back to Israel to build the temple. But what happens is that they began to build their own houses and there was a knock-on effect to the point that not even the crops and the rain would actually benefit them. And, and God lists a number of things that they thought would happen as they focus on themselves, but actually God prevented that. And the only thing I can think of is, have you ever felt frustrated with the things that you are doing aren't working? And you think, God, why isn't this working? Why got issues here and issues there? And this is a very clear example of perhaps why. And the reason is, is that God is telling us to be more concerned with Him, and then everything else can turn around. There are two things that really stood out for me. Um, number one is that He says twice, give careful thought to your ways. Um, in, in terms of repentance, I, I was taught to believe for years, you know, that it, it's a very sort of emotional thing. It's, it's, it's a sort of, you know, I feel bad for what I've done and I'm sorry, you know. And one of the big definitions, I mean, sorry has many definitions, but one of the definitions I found for the word sorry is, is that it's guilt-driven or guilt-ridden actions. But God is not telling us to, to act on our guilt. He's telling us to give careful thought 
to our ways. And that really spoke to my heart because sometimes we can, I mean, God lists a, a list of things there that I could just simply translate into pure frustration. You earn a wage that you put in a purse with holes in it. I mean, I can, I can relate to that. <laughs> Seems like you never have enough money. Um, and then, you know, what is interesting is that it says there that they obeyed. They obeyed. And then God says to them, I am with you. So, throughout this little story here, I see very little evidence of an emotional driven decision. It's actually the opposite. God is telling you to examine your conduct, to give careful thought to your ways. And, and I find that, you know, sometimes we don't want to do that, do we? We don't want to reflect on the things we do. We just want to sort of make it all go away, feel good about ourselves, and if we do have a bit of guilt, we just say sorry, and I think that's the answer to it. And, and perhaps to a certain extent, within a certain context, that might, might be what you need to do. But I want to, I want to make you understand that if you want to build the house of the Lord, if you want to grow in the Lord, there are careful things you need to consider. Now, I have another story, if I could ask Simon again to read. Now, this is the story of Zechariah. So, Zechariah, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 7, please. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, this is what the Lord Almighty says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. Amen. Thank Is you. Is that enough? Yeah. yeah. So the second story it's, um, is Zechariah, and this is just the next, the next um, prophet following Haggai. So um, it is believed that basically there is about a month and a half to two months period between Haggai and Zechariah. It's quite interesting that the first prophet comes and says to people, um, you, you were set free from, from your um, captivity to come and build the house of the Lord, and you begin to build yourselves up. Now come, on, come back and build the house of the Lord. And two, two months later, they're actually having to, <laughs> having to be reminded to actually return to God altogether. Like, it's actually quite interesting that, you know, we, we, this, is, this is a call of God to his people. This is not necessarily uh, an evangelistic type of you know, uh, call. This, this is the people of God. And this, this is sometimes a lot that we can experience within our own lives as we, as we sort of live on our lives in the knowledge of God as part of our lives. We, 
we sometimes can stop building the house of God as in, you know, doing things for, for, you know, for God and actually completely forgetting about God altogether. And what this, what this really um, surprised me is that God says, return to me and I will return to you. And this is something that really spoke to me because many times we blame God for the things that we go through, isn't it? Where is God in this and that? But the truth is that we, we've thrown away ourselves. That we actually have completely neglected the knowledge of God in our lives. Because we, we think of God as some sort of a spiritual thing that we worry on Sunday. But in reality, it's a more, much more practical thing. You know, we've got to think about the things that, you know, we do every day and pay careful thought, you know. First, God says to them, I will return to you. And then he reminds them of what happened to people when they didn't. They say, it says here, they did not listen or pay attention. And again, what I really felt was that it's not a very emotional thing to do. It's a bit like your children, you know. When they listen, they do what is right, they do what you tell them, you know. They are happy because they have obeyed. So sometimes I think we just are not prepared to listen or to pay attention. Um, we, we tend to separate our Monday to Friday lives from our weekend lives or our Sunday lives. And, and we think that, oh, we need to pray, we need to fast, we need to hear the word of God. And I, I was a bit like that for, for years. And I actually began to realize, no, God says, do A, B, and C, and this will happen. And if you don't, well, <laughs> that won't happen. It's quite, it's quite straightforward. So I really like to encourage you that God is not... Um, about to destroy us. In, in, in reality, the truth is that God is a, is a good God and he calls us to come back to him and that he will return to us. So I want to encourage you not to feel um, this, the need to be guilt-driven when it comes to God, but to understand that he's simply calling you as a father and that he's not there to, to, to punish you and, and destroy you because, you know, if he, if he was to do that, then he would have never sent Jesus. He would have never sent a way out. He would have never sent a, a, a pathway to follow for us. So take, take his call to return to him and simply obey it. Listen. And come just to God and then the rest will, will come through. So they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve. It's really important to realize that God is there first to tell you what you are doing wrong, and then he tells you what other people did wrong and what happened to them. So in these two stories, very similar scenarios. In the first one, God really first deals with what you're doing, and he tells you to stop it. And then in the other one, he tells you that these people didn't stop it and look to them what happened. So I would say um, God asks us to take careful thought of our ways and then he says I am with you and then the Lord says I was very angry with what your other guy you know what your ancestors did um, but in reality God is always there to receive us if we come to him now so far this is how I would understand the Bible and how would I would think well okay yeah I get that but the great thing is that um, I feel God has really been able to sort of, no, I've been able to see what God is trying to tell me in a very sort of practical way. So <laughs> this is where the vegan challenge comes in. Does anyone know what the vegan challenge is? Anyone? Got any ideas? 
Yes, that's right. It's go vegan for 30 days. Now, what's, what's, does anyone know what vegan is? I'm pretty sure what you all know what veganism is, right? It's basically to eat um, anything that does not contain any animal or any more byproducts. So, um, <laughs> I've always disliked vegans, by the way. So, um, <laughs> why am I talking about veganism? Um, well, because I've been thinking a lot about it. Uh, and God has brought this to mind because it suddenly revealed to me what he's trying to tell me. And, and it's not like I'm trying to sort of promote veganism or anything, but it makes it make me realize the things we have to do. So, there are 10, according, life change benefits to being a vegan. At least 10. Number one is the nutritional value. I don't know what that means, but there you go. Um, number two, um, our moods will improve. Um, number three uh, is a disease prevention benefit. Fewer migraines. Well, I don't know how many migraines, but apparently if you have, suffer migraines, being a vegan will reduce it. Uh, weight loss. Improving athletic performance, that I can relate. <laughs> um, better awareness, that's really interesting. Why, why would being a vegan make you more aware? Or, you know? um, protecting the environment, so there is an external benefit. Um, and then a balancing hormones um, and longevity. Um, now, Everyone can relate to this, isn't it? We, we can all look at these things and think, yeah, we can, we can understand this. I can relate to it. Sometimes when we read a story in the Bible about um, plowing the fields and, you know, yeah, I get that, but does it really mean anything to me? No, it doesn't. But going vegan for a month really would mean something to me. Now... I recently started cycling to, to work um, a slightly longer distance than I was for about a year and a half. And uh, I began to really see the difference in how unfit I was compared to when I started to now. I began to see some benefits. And one of the benefits I see is that I began to think about the things I ate and how it would affect me on the bike. And, and again, what's that got to do with anything related to God? Everything. Everything, because God is not something that is just in our minds and in our heads and on Sunday. It's our everyday lives. Now, I like to think of these things, yeah, as things that God will ask us to do, and these will be the benefits. If you if you if you build the house of the Lord, if you return to the Lord, you will have nutritional value. You will have better mood. You will prevent diseases. You will have fewer migraines. You could maybe say migraines are worries. Um, you will lose weight. You perhaps will have less of a burden upon yourself. Um, you will improve your athletic performance. Uh, you will have better awareness. Um, you will prevent, protect the environment. So your own personal actions will have an external benefit. An external benefit. Um, balancing your hormones, you know what that would mean. Um, and longevity, longevity. So there will be a long-term effect. So this is really what God said to me. This is what I can do for you in your practical life. Now, there is also, you could say, seven side effects of going vegan. Right? Going vegan. Um, so the ten benefits, but only seven side effects. Well, there's more, but these are the most common. And here they are. 
Energy and weight loss issues. So basically what happens to people is that when they become vegans, this is what happens at the beginning. <laughs> They're just really tired. And they have huge cravings, bad state of health at the beginning, digestive problems, tough social life, purging. <laughs> well, purging is so funny. It just reminds me of my cat sleeping on the windowsill. Um, having to uh, actually cook having to actually cook. Now, I, I can look at this list and think, yeah, I can totally relate to that in my life. I can totally relate to that in my life. But think about this as the things that God will say to you, following me will have some side effects. Will have some side effects. First of all, you're not going to have the amount of energy for the things you wanted to do in the past. Um, it's quite interesting that re reducing the amount of meat you eat affects your muscles. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? Um, the, word, the, the Bible will say something like, the desires of your flesh. There you go. Huge cravings. Huh? You will begin to really do what you used to, want to do what you used to do before, and you begin to realize that there was some sort of real, uh, I don't know, sense of, uh, I don't know, enjoyment in the things you were doing before. But now, you're not, you're not doing it. You really want to do it. You really want to do it, isn't it? Um, a bad state of health. When you, when you reduce or remove yourself from all these things you used to eat before, suddenly you feel like, you know, um, you have digestive problems. How many of you sometimes have um, tried to read the Bible and you just don't understand it? Just don't understand the Bible. Well, the Bible says that the Word of God is like food to us, isn't it? But sometimes we can't digest it. We can't digest the food of, of God. Um, tough, tough social life. Well, when you're a Christian, you won't be very liked by many people. They will um, um, stereotype you, label you, whatever. Purging, so you can become very slow and very lethargic. And uh, you actually have to cook. It means you actually have to go to the kitchen. You can't just put anything in the microwave. You actually have to do a bit of chopping, a bit of seasoning, a bit of frying, toasting, whatever, and sit there and eat it. But God really spoke to me and he said, that's what you got to do when you think about me. You got you to gotta take the time it takes. It's going to have some side effects. There are going to be some negative things perhaps to the way you used to live your life. But ultimately, being a vegan apparently is super healthy. Now, the reason why I use vegan is because I used to really dislike vegans, as I said earlier. I worked in restaurants for about 15 years and one of the most annoying days of my life was when I had to deal with a vegan. Because <laughs> they would come and say, does this have eggs and it has cheese? And oh, I used to be like, just deal with a horrible vegan person over there. Um, but so many times, right, we can be like that when we think of God, isn't it? We just don't want to deal with it, you know? I just, I just don't want to feel any guilt right now. I just want to be sort of self-righteous and that's it. You know, so I go, the, I go to church on Sunday, I pray, I say, Lord, I'm sorry for everything I've done, you know, done. You know, you, you had your feel, like a five-minute microwave meal, you eat it quickly, and you're done. But in reality, nothing has really changed. So, I hope that you could understand sometimes how many times when we read the Bible, we think it all as some sort of story and fairy tale, but in reality, it's just as relevant to us as being a vegan for a month. And I really hope that perhaps you could begin to maybe look at the benefits of just simply what you eat can have in your life.
Um, and now, is this a true picture of happiness? Have a good look. This is a picture taken from what's um, now become a, a very popular um, holiday package in America, which is um, uh, package holidays just for obese people. And obviously, you know, these guys appear to be happy, right? But just looking at this picture, there's something quite wrong with it, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I just don't know. And then God spoke to me and he said, sometimes this is what we, we are ourselves. You know, we're in complete denial as to what's happening to us, right? And I'm not talking about somebody who is not a believer. I'm talking about us as, as, as people who believe in God. We could, we could be thinking, we, we, we have reached this point, or we have been saved by grace, and, and we will have eternal life. And you could almost say, like, we, we, we're in paradise right now, but, but we're completely and totally unhealthy. And, and I like to think that many times, right, we can go on like this all our lives, thinking that, you know, God loves us, um, you know, we have forgiveness, but we do nothing about the way we live our lives. Nothing, nothing. And then we just want the world to accept us as we are. I just want to hang around with people just like us. And we even go together on a little holiday just for people like us. And we, we, we ought to do nothing about our current situation, our current way of life. And, and this is where I feel sometimes God is really telling us that to be a Christian is not so much as some sort of a emotional and sort of a spiritual you know, um, driven idea, but it's actually practical things you ought to do every day. God said to the people of, of Israel before, give careful thought to your ways, careful thought to your ways. And really that's what I felt God really spoke to me. But then he said, return to me and I will return to you. And that's something so important. God is not there with a stick um, to beat us up and to destroy us. But we are actually destroying ourselves by ignoring and not listening to what God is telling us to do. The Bible says that the people in the past, the ancestors, did not listen or pay attention. And all these, although these guys are sitting there in the beach having a lovely time, they are, they are literally destroying themselves. And it's interesting that they are destroying themselves, but what they feed themselves. And again, food is something that we can all relate to, isn't it? So, would I ask you a question, would any of these guys be able to do this? Track, uh, uh, trek the Inca trails of um, Peru. It's about three and a half days of hard, narrow lane trekking by the side of the cliffs. It would be very difficult, isn't it? It would be almost impossible. Now, uh, I didn't do the trekking in Peru when I was a child, um, but my parents did it, and uh, I do have some vague memories of it. But if you Google how hard is it to trek um, the, the, the Inca trails, they would say it's very difficult, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It will take a bit of training, you will have to get a bit used to it, and you will need to continue to work with people who will encourage one another. Now, I, I think this walk very hard if you do it by yourself. But if you are at least in twos or threes, it just makes it a little bit easier. And that's what God is trying to say to us. You ought to be aware that the road in which you are basically embarking on is a narrow road. 
by a cliffside. And you ought to think about how you're going to take that road. Um, I find so much freedom in beginning to realize what God is trying to tell me in my everyday life, rather than to just simply go through life as thinking that it's all just some spiritual, emotional, you know, I feel good today, I feel down tomorrow, you know. But actually it's about, just like the food you eat every day will have a knock-on effect on your life. And not just your life, but there will be an external benefit or an external knock-on effect on society, on the world. Apparently, if you're a vegan, you can save the planet. <laughs> you know, if you stop eating meat, then, you know, the whole world problems will stop. Um, and how much more should we think about that when we think about how we live our lives? And are we feeding ourselves with what really is going to benefit us? And not just simply living in denial as to what's happening to us because we are already in paradise. I'd really like to just bring it to an end now by giving you a few of my reflections um, that I felt really God has totally released my mind in a sense to feel so much free and be able to understand God in a different way is that Repentance is the process by which God shows us constantly the things we need to turn away from. Now, if you think of one of those guys in the beach and you put him on the path at the Inca trails, can he do it immediately? No, he cannot. He probably will collapse because he's about 4,000 meters to 6,000 meters high. So he wouldn't be able to breathe just to take a few steps. So God, God is not going to put us there, but he's going to tell us little by little, turn away from that. Turn away from this. Turn away from that. And as we begin to obey him, as we begin to understand that this is not good for us, then we'll begin to gain fitness and we'll begin to sort of be able to take on higher challenges and higher paths. And I think that's what repentance is. Repentance isn't some sort of idea that we've got to feel sorry and guilt-driven to stop doing what we're doing, but we're totally powerless to stop it. And we just want to feel less guilty about it for a while, but have no real intention in actually changing it. So think of repentance as just God telling us to constantly stay on the narrow road because if we turn away from all these, these things, we'll remain fit for the purpose that he's given us. Two, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And that, that really spoke to me because a few years ago, um, I would say about 2015, um, I think I've, I've shared this before, I was, I was working one evening and it was very quiet. I was just wandering around, and I was just thinking, what, 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 what am I doing with my life? You know, what is it really happening to me? You know, I think at that time I was in my mid mid thirties or early thirties, and I began to think, oh, I'm thirty now. I'm not so young anymore. And you know, what am I doing here? And this place is empty. And like, I just felt really horrible. And and God said to me, not only of bread shall a man live. And that really, really spoke to me. I don't know if sometimes you read something that you've read a million times before, but you never truly understood it. But then God says to you, are you feeding on the right things? And are we just living to eat and sleep and work? Sometimes we've got to do more than just simply live to eat or eat to live. We need to feed on something else. Something else that's going to give us real benefits and is going to make us fit for the road that we're taking. So I really think that sometimes we ought to think about the time we spend with God in His presence, how much thought we give into the way we live our lives. 
is, is feeding yourself the right stuff. And last is, um, are we feeding ourselves for the journey? So I mean to say for, for the journey, not for the journey. And I like to leave it at that because I don't have the answer to that question. Um, you have it. I, ha I only have the answer for my life. And that is that I, I totally don't uh, feed myself for, for what the journey requires. Now, Pat and I, we're going to go with Dan to uh, India in a couple of weeks. And the first thing we have to do is we have to be totally aware of the things we eat and drink when we're in India. Because, well, I mean, <clears throat> some people like to, like to make it more than what it is, but it's very dangerous. And if you eat something that is potentially badly cooked and so on, you, you could die. But do we think sometimes about that in, in, in our everyday lives? And are we killing sometimes the this, this spirit within us? Are we, are we obese with anger? Are we sort of fat with pride and arrogance? Or sometimes, you know, all these things in our lives that just make us feel heavy and, and, and useless and unable to, to be practical and, and do things for God. Um, I really like to just close here thinking to myself, as much as I say this to you guys, it's a challenge that God has put on me, and it's a practical challenge. Amen.